the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Ah, oh, the rare dark week. It feels kind of weird, like when the UFC goes dark. Ten times a year, it feels like it has been forever. And that is what Kenny and I are feeling right now. So hopefully we can shake off the rust for you. It's Monday, September 13th, 2021, episode 316 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. Scheduled off week for us on Labor Day. And I threw out a little caveat to you and our producer, Cody Marrow, that unless something crazy happens at UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till. We're going to go dark on Labor Day, no sponsors, and uh, one of our two- to three-week annual resets. And then, of course, Modesto Spakowskis gets his leg kicked off, and I'm texting you guys, you think we should go live or something? Because I don't know if the oblique kick should be allowed or not, but it's good to see you after a week away, my man. It's good to see you as well, man. This sport, though, right? Like, every week, there's something. So... I don't know if the solution is to just not schedule any more dark weeks, but it was foolish of me to say, yeah, you know, unless something absolutely crazy happens, if Darren Till like Merck's Brunson in 20 seconds or. But I think we're all becoming conditioned to not just serious injuries, but uh, something crazy happening in that octagon every week. Um, so we a lot to get to on that front. Uh, time permitting, we might talk a little bit about. Uh, the fight that really shouldn't have happened between Vitor Belfort and Evander Holyfield. A lot of stuff coming up uh, with Ray Longo in about 30 minutes as well. And uh, we will also try to memorialize as best we can. One of my best friends, the late great UFC makeup artist, Susie Freeton, uh, who lost what was just an epic battle with, uh, with stage four breast cancer uh, over the last several days. And I guess uh, I shouldn't even say lost because watching her attack that thing is something that'll stick with me for the rest of my life. But we'll begin headlines with UFC fight night, Brunson versus Till. And with respect to Patty Pimblett and Molly McCann and Jack Shore and Khalil Roundtree Jr. kicking the hell out of Modestus Bukowskis' leg, let's start with the main event winner because that Wikipedia page for Derek Brunson is looking fine, Ken Flo. Five consecutive wins since the November 2018 loss to Israel Adesanya, who was not the champion then. And Brunson's one of the best wrestlers in this division. There's more to the package than that. But on a night when Brunson didn't have his best stuff coming in after a training camp that didn't allow him to really do too much because of some injuries, um, Derek Brunson shines again. The winning streak is five and he's right in the mix at 185 pounds, kid. Yeah, it's amazing. These are the kind of turnarounds, I guess, in the career where um, you kind of can sit back, enjoy and feel happy for a guy like Derek Brunson. Um you know, he has shown amazing consistency. He has had the ability to uh, use his striking to get them worried about uh, various strikes where he can get in, into the clinch and set that up, hit the takedown, uh, and utilize his control and ground and pound with great effect. And he was dominant here against Darren Till um, and uh, just seemed to be better everywhere. And I know, you know, Darren was talking about an injury and stuff like that, but uh, Derek wasn't a great matchup for him, um, you know, stylistically, if you look at it. And for Darren Till, this is going to be a big setback. Um, and Derek Brunson now uh, getting closer and closer to a, a potential opportunity to fight for the belt, man, which yeah. is just uh, amazing. And it really and, and is. Damn awesome. 
to think about where he was after that yeah. Asanya loss. And people just were so dismissive of that effort that night and his chances moving forward. And I do want to shout out our odd shark handicapper, Joe Osborne, because he sits in the back room and hears you and Ian pick Darren Till. And he has to stay convicted in his belief that Derek Brunson would cash yeah. as a plus 155 underdog. And he did. So our good friend, Luca Fury, another outstanding mixed martial arts handicapper, sort of pushed out a tweet about Derek Brunson's evolution. And I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, let's not pretend this is some totally different fighter than the guy that lost to Israel Adesanya three years ago. Sort of making the point that that is still a very difficult matchup for him stylistically. I don't know if you want to say that, you know, blonde Brunson or, you know, plus money Brunson or Brunson 2.0. You know, this isn't a fighter without flaw. Um, And I'm not sure that uh, that a rematch with Israel Adesanya doesn't go similarly to the first meeting. What do you think? You know, I think that's accurate from Luca. You know, I I don't see a Derek Brunson that has changed his striking significantly. You know, he still gets that chin up in the air. He still kind of chases, um, you know, recklessly sometimes. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean he's not a good fighter uh, or um, a guy who can give a lot of people trouble in that division because clearly his his record is showing otherwise. However. Um, yeah, I think there hasn't been a whole lot as far as evolution since that Israel Adesanya fight. But, you know, the the improvement of skills isn't everything. I think that getting your consistency has a lot to do with your mindset and, and your approach and how consistent you are with your training. And I think those are the kind of things that are setting into Derek Brunson and why we're seeing that that level of consistency now at 185 pounds. So um, skill-wise, I would agree with Luca, but I think there's there's other aspects to the game that I think is, is making Derek Brunson a better fighter in other ways. Brunson realized a lot of success before he left Wilmington, North Carolina, and certainly he was at Albuquerque uh, at Jackson Wink MMA Academy there for a while in Albuquerque, New Mexico, when he was in his formative years as an MMA fighter, but he really wanted to prove in a lot of respects for much of his career that he could run his own training camp in Wilmington, North Carolina, and still realize great success. And for a while he did, but since aligning with Sanford MMA, I mean, what else can you say? You know, just being one of the best in the room and not always the singular best in the room has obviously paid dividends. And, you know, Henry Hoof gets a lot of credit and rightfully so. Um, but you're increasingly starting to hear these athletes shout out the great wrestling coach, former American collegiate wrestler, Greg Jones, man. You know, he's a great coach. He's a great cardio coach. He's a great wrestling coach. And I think he has helped Derek Brunson immeasurably as well. You've seen a lot of these bigger fighters too, 85ers, 205ers, heavyweights um, start to go to Sanford MMA. There's a Darren Till side to all of this as well. Where are you, by the way? I mean, this Kenny Florian Roadshow, are you in Oregon today? Is that where you're I am, I am in Bend, Oregon. I'm at Mac Danzig's uh, gym. Uh, yeah, doing doing a couple oh. seminars out here. Okay, so a couple yeah. of uh, of Brazilian jiu-jitsu seminars with old yes, friend sir. Mac Danzig. So yeah. are you at his gym right now or are you at a hotel? I am. I'm at his gym right now. It's much, better, much better uh, Wi-Fi here, yeah. The Wi-Fi is great. You sound fucking great. Thanks for bringing your microphone on the road. We appreciate that. So you went home after BattleBot. Scale of 1 to 10, by the way. How glad are you that that's done right now, huh? Oh, <laughs> that's an that was so much work, man. So good to be home. I see the Kenny Florian signs, by the way, these BattleBot fans, folks, bringing in fucking Kenny Florian signs. Like, I love Kenny Florian more than my mom. Unbelievable. And Cody tells me your jujitsu seminars are sold out at Mac Day. They are, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So, yeah. Kid's a fucking needle mover. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> I tried actually to sign up for that seminar, but it was jujitsu. So I said, all right. So Darren Till. Yeah. You know, I was part of a group text thread and Daniel Cormier sort of said, I think what everyone was thinking, like, well, don't fight the purest wrestler you've ever fought in your career if you have a torn ACL. So that's part of it for Darren Till. And I guess his performance is harder to quantify now because of that injury coming in. You don't know what he was or wasn't able to do in training, but the defensive wrestling still leaving a lot to be desired. You know, to me, he seemed, and again, I'm a fan, I'm not the analytic expert, but he seemed panicky in those situations. Obviously it was a quick tap. Once Brunson got his rear naked choke in, um, you got anything for us on till after, you know, what now on paper is a fourth loss in his last five. It's a major setback and, you know, it's tough because a lot of these fighters are in these situations where we hadn't seen Darren Till for a little while. Um, he, he he perhaps was in a tough financial situation where you had to take this fight, not the best matchup, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and sometimes because you are tough and determined uh, and believe in yourself, you make some poor decisions as well as a fighter. And I think, yeah, this was a very tough matchup given the circumstances, especially. Um, yeah. And he, he's going to have to claw his way back big time, man. That this was not this was not a great performance from him. Um, and I don't know. I, I think a, a big disappointment. I, for me, I always thought Darren Till had a lot of potential as a fighter, and either this knee injury was significant to the point where um, it caused this type of performance, but you also can't take away from the performance of Derek Brunson and how good he yeah. is at setting yeah. up those takedowns as well. So I don't know, man. Um, Darren Till's got some serious work to do. He's got to rebuild himself. And when you're trying to get better as a grappler, it takes a much longer time, uh, in my opinion, than it is if you need to improve your striking. And he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and get a wrestling coach and get some jiu-jitsu uh, going to where he can – really be elite in this division. Otherwise, you know, he, he could be fading away. So in April, it was a collarbone break that resulted in him having to pull out of the fight with Marvin Vittori. And he was back in training for about a week, but he just wasn't going to be able to compete. And perhaps that reared its ugly head in terms of his inner thought process in taking this Derek Brunson fight. But you know, there are so few fighters, right? Like Conor McGregor, for example. And I think Conor McGregor, for the first time in a long time, may not be one win away from a title fight. It always feels like Conor's one win away from a title fight, right? He loses to Dustin Poirier in January. And then you felt like, well, you beat him in July. You're one win away for, you know, you, you go fight mm -hmm. Charles Oliveira, right? And for Darren Till, it was interesting because going into this fight with Derek Bronson, and he was about a two-to-one favorite to win this fight, kind of felt like, man, Israel Adesanya wants to fight Darren Till. He's fra fresh blood, for lack of a better way to put it. So it kind of felt like even though Till had lost three of four, all he had to do was produce one win. And if he got a finish, maybe he was on that short list. Right. Now... I think that's a harder sell, but perhaps for Darren Till, he thought, Hey, I pulled out of the Vittori fight. Didn't lose too much. You know, see if I can catch lightning in a bottle and catch something here with Derek Brunson and, and then go into surgery. I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, this is a, a tough setback for Darren Till. And, uh, he's no longer one win away from a middleweight championship no. opportunity. So I also think it's interesting. You have Jared Cannonier, uh, who fought in a middleweight main event against Kelvin Gastelum just a few weeks before Derek Brunson and Darren Till. You have Robert Whitaker, who obviously is going to be the next number one contender. Brunson says he's going to wait out. And I think at this point, Ken Flo, um, I don't know if he was born in the 1970s like us, but 
right? 38 years old, you've won five in a row. I think it's the right career decision to scream from the rooftops title shot, yep. play back. A lot of people want to see Brunson and Cannoneer and a possible eliminator. Um, but I think Brunson's wise to, to sit on the sidelines and wait. What do you think about all that? I think so as well. I, and I, you know, think it's important that you brought up his age and, and where he's at at this point in his career. This is something that makes sense. He stayed pretty busy. Um, and I think he has the ability and opportunity to kind of sit back and wait to see how things play out. And I would love to see the UFC give him that shot. All right. We are going to try to get back to Tom Aspinall and Patty Pimblett. If not, we'll get some stuff from Longo. But I want to talk about this Khalil Roundtree Jr. TKO of Modesto Spakowskis with the leg kick. So if you didn't see it, fairly gruesome, depending on how this stuff is for you. I mean, DC literally can't look at this stuff. We were sitting there calling the fight, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the Weidman thing was far worse to me than this, at least in terms yeah. of the aesthetic. Um, but much of the conversation is not necessarily about Roundtree Jr.'s win. It's about whether or not this technique should be allowed in mixed martial arts. And I just want to read a quote from my former colleague, Dan Hardy, one of the finer analytical minds in the MMA space. He said this to Submission Radio. And I don't know where Ken Flo falls on this because I've been waiting to hear your thoughts and I'm, and I'm dying to know. Because I think my take as a non-fighter, um, we can just toss aside. I'll give you my opinion after you share yours, but I don't really think my opinion matters too much in all of this. So Dan Hardy to Submission Radio. It shouldn't be banned. It's an effective technique. If we start banning effective techniques, then we're going to find ourselves with a very, very limited rule set. I think we need to recognize it's an occupational hazard. On football fields, rugby pitches up and down around the world on a weekend basis. People are getting their knees destroyed in the same way that Modestus Bukowskis did. It happens very rarely in MMA. Anybody that says it should be banned, have them name three people that it has happened to because it's very difficult to recall any time when it actually happens in MMA. He went on to say it's the same as knees to the head on the ground as well, and on and on it goes. Um, but he's surprised that this is even being something that is considered. You have other fighters like Brad Quake Riddell who just say you work so hard. Right. And it's so hard to stay healthy as is. He just would like to see this technique removed. So it seems as though your fellow fighters largely are split on this. How do you feel about uh, this technique and its usage in modern day mixed martial arts? You know, to me, I think this is tricky. And I think that a lot of times we use the wrong arguments to justify these things. Uh, I don't think removing this technique is going to um, now limit effective techniques. I mean, there's a myriad of techniques. There's a plethora of techniques that could be used in mixed martial arts still without this stomp kick. So I, I don't know if that argument in that way holds up. Um, should it be banned? I don't know. You know, the other argument I hear is that, oh, well, are you telling me that you can kick to the head? You can destroy someone's brain cells with with a kick to the head but you're not allowed to blow someone's knee out. Um, the other argument that I hear is, well, you can do a knee bar. How is that any different? Well, let me explain. I think, Please. first of all, when you have a knee bar, there's varying degrees of pressure where you feel your knee about to, about to blow, right? You got that 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, I'm ready to tap, or 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000. I feel the pressure. There's a tremendous amount of pressure. I have the decision to, to tap in that, in that way. When I'm stomping your knee, you have 0.01 seconds to tap. You're not going to be able to tap in that time. There is no decision-making. Right. Your knee is either okay or 
broken, right? Right. Um, and I think that the same thing goes for, you know, then you have the argument of the people saying, oh, well, you can kick to the head. Well, how is that's the worst thing you could do? What's wrong with blowing out someone's knee? Well, you can't you can't twist people's fingers either. You can't right. grab someone's throat. You right. can't kick someone in the balls. I think that we would probably if we had a choice to live and you'd have to sit, you know, knee to the head or knee to the ball. I mean, it, it's right, right. You know, it, it, there's so many different ways to approach this. I think the big thing for the, for me is like how devastating and how easy of a technique is this? Is this a technique that should be executed by a professional mixed martial arts fighter? I don't really have a problem with it. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's a technique that it is dangerous. Um, is it the same as, you know, breaking someone's finger? I don't think so. I think it, it's it's more of a um, higher level technique. Right. However, it, it, it does get tricky because of, you know, if you are comparing it to a submission like a knee bar, you, you don't have a whole lot of choice in, in, right. in, um, in getting the opportunity to tap. So I don't know. It, it will certainly cause a lot of injury, I think. So what if you're in a knee bar and Husamar Pugliatis is the guy who has your knee and then you tap yeah. and he doesn't let go? What are you supposed to do then? Right. Well, I mean, that guy, you know, he, uh, no, the reason I, why he's not in the UFC anymore. Yeah. Unbelievable. But I, I guess it's, I guess it comes down to, uh, you know, how we view these techniques and, and kind of what kind of questions we're asking, you know, is the knee stop an acceptable risk for fighters to take? I don't know. Right. You know, largely I'm aligned with you. And I think when you start policing lower leg attacks, right? I mean, I've joked with you, like my twin brother is so sick of the calf kick narrative that he would love to see them say, you know what? Enough of that <laughs> shit. Right. So I, again, it's like when I see a high profile ranked lightweight, like Brad Riddell come out and say, man, we just work too hard for it. it. It certainly invokes a thought process in me, but largely I am aligned with Dan Hardy on this for the most part. And you, at least in terms of this particular technique. Yeah. I, I think it, it kind of comes down to, is this considered too brutal or is it within the sport of limits, sport of limits of, of mixed martial arts? And I, I think it does fall within it. Um, yeah. And in terms of the brain, right? It's, you can quantify knee damage, right? We can't quantify brain damage. And I think that is an sure. important part of Dan Hardy's message too, right? Yeah. It's like, this is, you know, um, so, but, and the other thing too, is can you think of three guys who have had their knees blown out? Cause I can't off the top of my head. So I do think that point is well taken as well. Sure. Um, but this was clearly flow strategically something that Roundtree Jr., um, you know, there was a tell from Bukowskis. And then I have an opportunity here to, you know, I, I agree. The the only thing with the, the you know, that we haven't seen it, um, you know, more than three times is that we don't see it thrown so, so much as far as it's, you know, it's like we didn't see the cat. I didn't see the calf kick my whole career that I fought seven years in the UFC. Yeah, but all right. of a sudden we did. So it, it could be something that it could change drastically. If now people seeing that it's like when Anderson Silva, you know, knocked out Vitor Belfort with that front kick to the face, everyone was trying to do it. Right. You know, uh, you see these ebbs and flows and the techniques that are used in mixed martial arts. This could be the beginning of a lot of knee breaks too. So who knows? Um, I, I think oh. it's still a technique that's coming in and um, that, that could change, but I do. Dan Hardy is correct in saying that I can't remember more than three. 
Very interesting. Certainly John Jones has used that tactic in the past. It's hard for me to recall him actually landing one seminal blow that uh, that blew out a guy's right. knee. Um, all right. So Tom Aspinall disposed of Sergei Spivak and he felt like his initial opponent, uh, Sergei Pavlovich, might have been um, the more dangerous guy, but felt like Spivak on short notice was the more well-rounded threat. You know, this feels a little bit weird talking about this nine days removed, but the narrative going in was that Tom Aspinall is this new wave of athletic young heavyweight that could be a real problem. And even though maybe he's not on Cyril Ghosn's level just yet, you know, the first thing I brought up in our fighter meeting with Tom Aspinall was Cyril Ghosn, because I think both of these guys are sort of on this ascent together. And I think they might lock the door behind them soon if they keep it up. What would you think about, about Aspinall a couple of weeks ago? I think Asmal had a great performance. I think uh, this was kind of the one that I thought that he could go out there and, and um, execute. Uh, and he certainly did that. I, I think he has a high level of, of athleticism. I think that he's showing that potential that I saw in his first fight in the UFC. And so long as he continues to make good decisions out there, I think he's going to go very far in that heavyweight division. No doubt. All right. Patty Pimblett. How long did it take us, Cody, to get to Patty the Batty Pimlet? I guess if ever there would have been a reason for us to crack a mic on Labor Day when we weren't scheduled to do so, it might have been Patty Pimlet. It's been sort of fun to watch his Instagram uh, numbers just tick up, you know, 20,000 every two minutes or whatever the hell it is. But, uh, <laughs> hey, man, he was a huge star overseas. Increasingly now domestically, he's becoming a star because he called a shot in his UFC debut that it would be a first-round knockout. He said, mark my words. and. And that is exactly what he was able to produce. Now, he faced some major adversity in his UFC debut. And if we were sitting here talking about Luigi Vendramini, you know, stopping the hype train in its tracks, then it's a totally different world in which we live. But that did not happen. What would you think of Patty Pimblett's UFC debut? You know, I've seen a lot of his fights outside of the UFC. And, you know, watching his fights in the UFC, I, I was hoping, uh, or watching his debut in the UFC, I was hoping that I was going to see a more refined version of, of Patty. And I, I just didn't see that. There's no way that he could, with that style, um, have long-term success in the UFC. So I think that was my concern. As far as excitement level, as far as aggression, as far as, determination and all that stuff he's got it um I, I love it i love his energy i love uh, his willingness to get out there and scrap but he's got to be extremely careful this was another guy in his ufc debut um who almost knocked him out so i i think that you know i i was concerned with that, that was a not that was also a, a punch that would have knocked out i mean maybe 80% of yeah, the other fighters right, in that division. Right. I mean, it was a brutal shot. Patty was able to survive and come back, but you know, defensively he's got some work to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. There's no question about it. He fought March of 2020 and then March of 2021 and then this fight. So he hasn't competed all that often in the last couple of years. And certainly I don't have to tell this audience that 155 pounds as the challenges get stiffer, you know, yeah. uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they proceed with him. But sometimes I wonder, like, what is his goal in coming to the UFC? Because when Conor McGregor came to the UFC, I mean, certainly I think his goals were many. They were financial, but it was always the talk about being a two division UFC. UFC champion and 
who's to say Patty Pimblett can't do that, right? I mean, I think he could realize success at featherweight if he ever wants to cut back down there. But given that he's added muscle, I'm not sure it's going to happen. But what are his goals, right? To be a multimillionaire, to be the next cash cow for the UFC because everything's in front of him right now. I mean, whatever it is, like he clearly has it. He clearly moves a lot of meat needles. I look to my left, I see the executives, you know, grinning ear to ear. So if his goal is to be the undisputed UFC lightweight champion, I think there's a lot that needs to happen for him to position himself for that opportunity. Um, but I mean, this dude could sell out an arena in Liverpool tomorrow in a UFC main event. And, uh, I think there are going to be a lot of big fights and matchups on the horizon for uh, for Patty the Batty. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's super exciting. Um, I just think that the UFC and and everybody just kind of needs to be careful of how fast they push someone who's still learning the game. And I think that's kind of that catch twenty two with with someone like that who does have, um, you know, a huge following. Um, but does have a whole lot of holes in his game. Um, You know, I I think that a lot of times we see the result and we get all excited, like, wow, that was great. But like, you know, there was a lot of sloppiness that happened out there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important that you recognize that and that that he does have some work to do. And, and um, when he does that and he's able to shore up those, you know, holes in his game, he's, he's going to be, you know, he could absolutely go very far in this sport. There's no question. And even though I am more promoter than journalist at this point in time, I try to give it to you straight as well. Right. Uh, yeah. In terms of Patty Pimblett and where he is at relative to uh, to where I think he can be and to the rest of the division. You know, Joe Silva tried to sign this kid when he was 18 years old. The promotion tried to sign him again in 2018 when he was 21. And not unlike Israel Adesanya, he resisted. Now, Fighters have different reasons for not signing with the UFC when they mm-hmm. first come calling, you know, and as I've often said, you're, you're, you're a victim of your starting salary, right? So Israel Adesanya wanted to make sure that not only could he become the undisputed king of the middleweights, but uh, that when he came to the UFC, you know, that uh, he could make a pretty good nut to begin with. So we'll see how they choose to proceed from a matchmaking perspective with Patty Pimblett. I'm not even going to throw out a name because I honestly don't know what they are going to do. You know, some people have suggested, you know, if they really wanted to blow the doors off the place, they haven't fight Conor McGregor right now. I don't think Conor McGregor would take that fight candidly. And uh, I don't think Patty Pimblett is is ready for that fight. I'm sure he would tell you otherwise, you know, but uh, they got a lot of options, man. Uh, the first name they call was Luigi Benjamini and uh, and it goes to Patty. Pimblett. All right. Before we get to uh, to Ray Longo, I just want to tell you about a company called Millions.co because you're looking at my One More Sleep t-shirt right here, and I have a line with these folks, and uh, I couldn't be happier. For a lot of professional athletes, fighters, podcast hosts out there, one of the biggest challenges, present company included, is to build and monetize your own brand. I think for a lot of athletes out there, public figures to whatever degree, it's just hard to think about an e-commerce store, setting all that up, a website, everything else, all sorts of logistics doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that's where millions comes in. E-commerce platform that I believe in to such an extent that I aligned with these folks a few months ago. And so did Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell, by the way, shout out to Bryce Mitchell and Bruce Buffer, who is a co-founder of the company. But whether you're an MMA athlete, an amateur athlete of any kind, professional athlete on a smaller scale, public figure, perhaps you just have a podcast like this. Well, millions.co is going to allow you to, among other things, build a merchandise line. They'll help you design. They did this design, by the way, for one more sleep. They'll help you with the design effort if you need that. Uh, And you can start selling right away up within 48 hours of final design approval. You can also get paid to do other things. Simple shout outs. 
Ask Me Anything videos as well. You can even run your own live watch party at millions.co. And it's all completely free to sign up. If you go to millions.co right now, you can create your own profile. You can check out mine, promo code ANIC, if you want to get some one more sleep gear. But if you are a mixed martial arts fan out there, and I know most of you are, I would encourage you, go check out Millions. Use the AMA shout-out feature or just pick up some merchandise today. And if your favorite fighter is not on there yet, tag them on Instagram and let them know. It's millions.co, promo code A-N-I-K. And we shout out the entire team at Millions for sponsoring this week's episode of the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right, it's been two weeks. Let us get to the star of the show. That's Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There he is. Look right. at that. Shirt, huh? See the shirt? Where's the yes. Hey, oh, Cody. Oh, there we go. Oh. And the great Ray Longo now joins us. Looks like you're schwitzing a little bit, fresh off the mats, or what? A little jujitsu practice this morning? No, nah, no. Nah, it's uh, yeah. I'm right off the mat, Tris. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the mat we have a Kenny, the mattress. Mattress. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we mat- have a lot. We have a lot to get to with you today. We didn't have a show last week. We didn't get into the whole Brunson Till stuff. So I want to talk to you a little bit about all of that. But I want to start um, with somebody who uh, who I held just so dear, uh, our longtime makeup artist and really my best friend. That's a woman for sure in this world. Susie Freeton um, passed away on September 9th. And many of our listeners know the story. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer in March of 2020. And I was with her in the hospital at that time, a few days before UFC 248. And, you know, I'll never forget that last show that she worked about a year and a half ago, because I got back to my dressing room after the post-fight show, because she would always wait, as you can attest, you guys know how great a person she was, but she would always wait for me to finish up. She was like lying on the floor in our dressing room, just in pain from just exhaustion. This was a year and a half ago, you know, like, of course she stayed to take my suit or whatever. And um, I don't know. I've just never met somebody who's so selfless, so giving. And you saw as soon as she went public with her diagnosis, all these fighters devoting their wins and post-fight interviews to her, Rose Namajunas and Jimmy Rivera. She just made such an imprint on this roster and all of the athletes and their significant others um, that you see just how beloved she was when she passes away. And I've taken some small bit of solace in that, but uh, last Thursday was one of the, one of the saddest days of my life. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that. And it's again, way too early. And, you know, it's nice when people have that type of an impact. And I think that's why you feel it so much is that it's a loss. Like it's a real loss. Like, you know, you might hear somebody passing away that you haven't talked to in a year. It's not the same. You know, it's it's a different vibe. But when you're communicating with people daily, it's it's just it's it's tough, man. I'm I, I'm not even remotely ready to talk about the loss that I felt. But uh, no, I know. I, and I feel your pain, man. I mean, I really do. It's hard. It's hard when you're sort of uh, in like the performance space. Right. Like I'm doing a cameo like, oh, Caleb's 24 and it's like the fucking last thing I want to do right yeah, now is yeah. crack the microphone like handedly this is one of a handful of episodes that we've done like I don't want to be here today like period right. I don't want to be here but, today. but you gotta re- John you gotta realize she wants you here she knows that this is what you love to do and you know same thing like even though it's a cameo if you think you ask 
Susie, you know, should I do it? You know, I feel she's telling you go for it. You know, you know that though, because that's the that's why you miss her because that's who she is. So Ken Flo was obviously very close with Susie. Uh, I did post a picture to my Instagram story today. At that time, she flat ironed Ken Flo's hair because he showed up in Bangor, Maine, and. You know, I don't know if this was like his metrosexual phase or what it was. His hair looked outstanding, and it still does. But like phase? at this point, yeah, I'm with, uh, wait a minute, I'm with I'm with Cody. Phase? What do you think? Well, yeah, when, right. when does the phase? It never went away. I'm when still did it? End? Yeah, when did it end, Kenny? Yeah. But like at this stage in Ken Flo's life, like he was hot. Like he was, he was really hot and he came into the dressing room and he's like, Susie, I don't know what happened to my hair. She's flat ironing your hair. And I know Kenny, like three years ago, you hadn't seen her in a couple of years. We yeah. picked you up at your hotel. The three of us went out for a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, you know, you're able to put this in a lot of perspective, obviously, you know, this came two days before the five year anniversary of you losing your younger brother, Kirk. And I, I yeah. know it's been a heavy week for you. Um, but you're always able to help me with a little text message trying to put this into its proper perspective. Um, but I don't know, man, this one yeah. is really tearing a lot of us apart. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best, man. You know, Susie um, was just one of those people who went above and beyond whatever she had to do, you know, whether it was flat ironing my hair or um, just, you know, there was no, there was, no, no, in her vocabulary, it was like, oh, I'll, I'll get it done. And she would always, you know, go above and beyond. She was one of the sweetest people uh, in that organization, bar none. Um, she always had time for you. Um, and there wasn't a time that I can remember, no matter what she was experiencing, um, where she didn't have a smile on her face. She was always laughing. She had that big, boisterous sm uh, laugh. And um, she was just, so much fun to be around and um this was a tough one and uh cancer absolutely sucks and it was one of those things that you know i think when we heard the news we thought hey if there's someone who can get through this who has a positive attitude is going to fight hard it's going to be susie um and obviously um you know cancer can get the better of anybody. And, and that's the thing. And that's the reminder. And, um, it was hard to see her go through that. And I was actually getting updates, um, while I was in Vegas about Susie's condition. And, um, I had heard that she probably was going to have too much longer to go. And it, it was horrible to hear that. And it was even more horrible to hear that news uh, about Susie's passing. Of all her amazing traits, positivity, to Kenny's point, was probably her greatest asset. You know, there were plenty of times over the course of our friendship, you know, she first painted my face in 2008, Kenny, on MMA Live, when we met her probably the same day. Um, but there were plenty of times in her life, personally, professionally, where things didn't go her way, and yet she was still always so positive. And with respect to her privacy and her final days, I'm not going to get into too many details, but I will just tell the folks out there that are curious because they want to support like the MMA community wants to support. And that I think is what sparks the curiosity. I'm just going to tell you all, I've never seen somebody fight like that. Our last conversation two days before she passed, she said to me, granted through weakened speech, but she's like, I'm not going anywhere, you know, like I'm not fucking going anywhere, you know? And I think maybe it hit me even harder because I was so convinced that she was going to beat it because a lot of the things holistically and otherwise, 
that she was doing were working. Um, but um, what a fight it was and, and what a life and what a legacy. And, and you know, the UFC hopefully will do right by her. Um, but it, this is like, I don't know, man. I just, it, it's therapeutic to be able to talk to you guys about this. Cause like, I've already told my boss, like I ain't sitting down on that makeup chair for UFC 266. I can assure you, like I'm going to paint my fucking face in my room. And again, Susie's successor is one of the greatest people I've ever met, Chris Giraldo. You know, she's unbelievable, but I can't sit in that chair. I'm going to lose it. I thought I was going to lose it on the show today, you know? So uh, UFC 266, I'm going to be painting my own face uh, in honor of my dear friend Susie Freeton, who, by the way, named my daughter Tatum, too. And I'm so happy to have that truth with me forever. You know, I was struggling two weeks before Tatum was born in 2013. We didn't have a name. You know, Kenny can attest and Ray, too. It's hard to name a human being. Right. Didn't have a name. And uh, Susie's painting my face and she's like, what about Tatum? So I'm happy that she was uh, able to name my daughter Tatum. All right. Ray. So Ken Flo and I talked off the top of the show about Derek Brunson's win over Darren Till. And it seems like both guys were going in not close to 100 um, percent. What did you make of Derek Brunson's win over Darren Till? And how do you think it sort of affects the future of both guys now moving forward at 185? Uh, I mean, look, my gut feeling, unfortunately, for Derek Brunson, who I happen to like, and I'm happy that the guy's on a roll and he's, you know, he's looking good. I just think that fight did absolutely nothing for him getting closer, you know, title shot, you know, uh, I mean, I don't tell – I mean, they say he's injured, right? Is that what came out after it? He had a torn ACL, but I mean, the only saving grace for Kenny is that he wasn't his jujitsu instructor before that. <laughs> well, that that looked like non. I I don't know what I was looking at for a guy at that level to be in the top five. I mean, Kenny, is it me? I mean, not even attempt anything. I mean, there was there was it looked like a zero on a scale of one to ten yeah. off his back. I mean, that that was a now, somebody said maybe Brunson's got a great top game. I mean, it's just it, not even an attempt at an elbow escape, anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't. It was disappointing to me to look at that fight. And I think I picked Hill in that fight because I thought he'd have, you know, he'd be scrambled back to his feet. You know, you have to learn from the Woodley loss. I mean, right. I, and then that was, and that, yeah, I, I don't know. That it, it wasn't a good look to me. It really wasn't. I don't know what I was. It was. Unfortunately for Brunson, I don't think that's the win that's going to – I don't think it moves the needle at all. Kenny, what do you have on that jiu-jitsu stuff? Yeah, I I agree with Ray and, and largely because of that Woodley fight. You know, if you know right. that there's a glaring weakness in your game and that's where you're vulnerable, you think that a fighter is going to go, all right, I'm going to crush this area. I don't want this to happen ever again. Without I, I have the striking – I have the striking. I'm weak on the ground. I'm not going to let this happen. And we haven't seen that evolution. And I don't know if it's because, you know, he's not putting in the work. He's not getting the right resources. Um, You know, how much had to do with that injury? I don't know. But even just kind of the way that he's moving, it, it, it just didn't seem like he knew what he needed to do. You know what I mean? Right. It, look, I, there's, there's, I mean, I could take a guess because I deal with it all the time, but these guys, they just like to hit the pads. Then they lose a fight because they get taken down. They're unhappy. I mean, I said to one guy one time, I go, you hit those pads again before you do any wrestling. Get out of the fucking gym. I mean, it's just, that's how bad it is. Like, it's everybody does what they want to do, not what they have to do, right? 
And that's the issue. Like that. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I, I saw as I mean, look again, if the guy's injured and he's got a torn ACL, I which I still think you could have did something else. But yeah, right. it just was not a good look. It really wasn't. And you you the the guys I mean, in this day and age in MMA, you have to be squared away in in a bunch of different things, right? And that's, to, I, I think that's the crazy part to me to be, not to be squared away and to make it as far as he did is amazing. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you could you could imagine now where everybody's going to go if they fight him. I mean, you know, why even why even waste the time standing up? Just right. take him down. Right. You know, just, I thought it was a bad look for where they were in their career, and I, not not Brunson. Brunson no, didn't have to. It's no, Brunson did what he had to do, but I don't think it's going to move the needle because there was no resistance at all, and that that's where I'm having the problem. If I'm really analyzing it, and and you know the way the matchmakers are and stuff, but, but Derek, you know, poor Derek thinks he's he's got to win and he's going on, and they're going to tell him that was you know that was shit. You didn't do anything, you know. Who knows what's going on? I hope he gets the title shot. I really do. Well, it's I, tricky because yeah. Jared Cannonier goes out as a minus one eighty favorite against Kelvin Gastelum, and it wasn't a close fight per se. But a lot of people thought it was close, right? Gastelum certainly had his moments. We were singing KG's praises after the fact. So Cannonier goes out there as a two to one favorite, doesn't put Gastelum away, and Derek Brunson, who was also injured goes out there as a near two to one underdog and fucking submits Darren Till. And that's somehow not good enough. You know what I mean? It's like you go and you choke the guy out and you know, I don't disagree with you, Ray. Like I think they're going to make him fight one more, but it's like you cap this winning streak at five by submitting Darren Till as an underdog. Like that should be enough as far as I'm concerned, but um, I think you, it it should be, but Unfortunately, you know, you're always looking to build a title fight. There's more to it than just winning, right? It's got to be marketable. They have to, you know, make sure, you know, they get pay-per-view buys. And that's where I think it gets tricky in that fight. Does he deserve deserve the title shot? 100%. Do I think he's going to get it? No. Right. And Cannoneer hasn't fought Israel Adesanya. And again, Izzy's got to get through Whitaker, right? If Robert Whitaker beats Israel Adesanya, those guys could be destined for a trilogy. And then this whole division gets held up because of those two. Uh, and I say held up probably in the best of ways that those guys are fighting three times, but uh, interesting stuff nonetheless. But I think you bring up a lot of important truths when it comes to Darren Till and the defense of grappling. Like I'm not always in the, in the business of criticizing coaches. Like I don't know intimately what team Calbon is doing on a day-to-day basis when it comes to their grappling. I believe Tom Aspinall, the UFC heavyweight for a time headed up their grappling program. But if this result doesn't affect change after what happened against Woodley three years ago. And now this, um, you know, perhaps the ceiling is lower than I thought on Darren Till. No, we're not, we're not getting down on the coaches. I'm defending the coaches because <laughs> I try to get guys to do stuff. Yeah. Trust me. It's not the coaches. I'm saying yeah. that's not a, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't have a coach telling them your striking's good enough. No one will ever take you down. That's not happening. You know, he just, doing what he likes to do it looks like to me i don't know it's the experience anyway you know hear a lot of athletes talk about the wrestling maintenance during their mma careers and what a pain in the ass that is i'm sure kenny for you some of the brazilian jiu-jitsu maintenance over the course of your career when you know when when you when that jab was looking so good but you probably absolutely and it's also comes down to like who who do you have in there you know like what kind of wrestlers what kind of jiu-jitsu guys and if you don't have guys that are pushing you every day then you got to bring them in. Um, so, you know, yeah. I got to say, one of the things that always impressed me with Weidman was when he was on, 
like he was already years out of college, man. He he was still crushing those college, the guys that were good in college, whoever we were. I never saw the guy have a problem. Yeah. I never saw the guy have a problem with the wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so he always maintained that. And, uh, you know, we always worked on his striking. So I, I don't know. All right, we've got a couple more minutes with the great Ray Longo. So, Marab Dwalishwili, Aljamain oh. Sterling, Ally Quinta, they all have fights on the books. Seems as though there's a pretty good vibe there. Uh, uh, if, oh, if, if Instagram is any indication, you look like a very happy man. I'm a happy man. Happy man. Everybody's back together. I think we're going to stay together, which makes me really happy. They're working their asses off. Saturday at the gym was beautiful. Sunday, yeah. uh, I'm busier than I ever been, which I, I, I like obviously, but uh, I'm watching these guys vibe together and we got some real good up and coming guys. It's just, it's, it's a really, there's some really solid guys in the gym. There really is with everybody. And those guys are, those guys are knocking it out of the park, man. So it's, it's, it's a good time. They all, and they all have, everybody's got a super tough fight. I mean, this, we're yeah. in the big leagues, right? This isn't like, you know, you're going in, I mean, the average guy will get killed, but the, you know, right, these guys right. are at the top level, so they have to be squared away. And what I'm seeing now is everybody's looking really good. All right. So I'm going to be calling Marab's fight here in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be calling Aljamain Sterling's fight on October 30th. Do you have anything resembling Intel for me on either man? I know how close so the two of you combined could never do a podcast because you both keep them so close to the goddamn best. Well, what do would you have you anything for me? A- like, well, hey, man, like Marab looks as good as ever, right? Like, I mean, I know his cardio is on point, but just something like, oh, you know, Marlon's got, you know, a lot of tricky weapon, you know, we're mindful of this or whatever. <laughs> I mean, or just like everybody's great, hunky-dory. You know? no, Marlon, Marlon's a killer, you know? And again, when that fight got offered, it was – that fight got offered to us right after he beat Cody Stamen in the hotel room. And my only stipulation is I want a five-round fight. I'll do to make it a main event. I think Marab deserves it. Marlon's a big name. Make it a main event because five rounds, a hundred percent. Marab gets that job done. Three rounds, you know. The, Marlon's a killer, man. Yeah. That first round is a, is a pivotal round, you know. So, uh, you know, the other guy's just he's not going to stop. He either yeah. goes out or he doesn't stop. So. Yeah. That's the fight. I don't know. I thought by my, I thought I inferred with my attitude towards what you were saying at the beginning. Everybody's doing good. I, yeah, I've got I a good hear. vibe. They're, they're training hard. And no flights booked to Abu Dhabi as yet, correct? Not as of yet, but I'm going. You know, the only I'm telling, trying to get this vaccination thing down. What is I, I might have to get vaccinated. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm I don't know what. I don't want to be hassled over there for sure. Right, right. It comes down to getting like hassled. Just give me the give me any shot. You well, want. my informed <laughs> speculation right now about yes, six weeks I out is that you probably would be hassled more if you're not vaccinated in terms of what, what? you would be required to do. <laughs> what yeah. you would be required to do. So I'll see what I can dig up for you. But no, um, see if you can. Yeah, because I think I will, it's pretty strict over there. Yeah. So, yeah. but as of right now, yeah, definitely going. Uh, booked for Marab, obviously. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, real quick before we go, though, I mean, we're not any you want to nothing with the Holyfield Vita Belfort disgrace. All right. So I had I just destroyed that for a while. I mean, who in their right mind is happy beating up a fucking 58 year old? I, I do. I, I swear to God, I don't know what I was looking at. 
I really what? Oh, so you watched it. I, I watched it. Yeah. Live or the I mean, highlight? That's what I do for a living. You know, I'm into comics. You know. True. No, so. I understand. Uh, but you know, like yeah, no, no, I watched it, and uh, I, I, I just thought it was disgraceful, almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the guy's yeah. sixty. We got we got down on McGregor for punching a guy in a bar that was probably right. forty nine. You know what I mean? This guy's yeah. fifty eight yeah. years old. Like, is that an accomplishment, Kenny? I mean, is it me? With that, is that an accomplishment? The fight never should have happened. The fight never I mean, should have happened. Like, you and, cannot. And, yeah, and talking, I mean, uh, hats off to Andy Foster for not letting that fight happen in California, too, because, you know, there comes a point with these guys, you got to save them from themselves. And, man, who who didn't love Holyfield? Everybody loved him. Guy was a great fighter, one of the greatest. But what if, does Vita Belfort actually think he beat Evander Holyfield? Because he sure acted like it, and I go, "That's that's a that's borderline insanity to me." Well, that's a whole other thing, uh, Kenny. Evander but thanks for let me get that off my chest. Well, no, Evander Holyfield made tens of millions of dollars during his boxing career. I I didn't research enough to know whether he needed the money or if this, you know, like what's the play here, right? Because the saddest thing is that if an Evander Holyfield type needs the money at this stage of his life um given all he accomplished in the boxing world when purses weren't that bad that's sad that's a sad reality if that's the truth i don't know if that's the truth. it uh, is and i it's a sad reality for a lot of professional athletes unfortunately and my understanding is that he was in some financial trouble at a certain point i don't know if it was recently i remember several years ago hearing about him having some issues but um yeah it's sad i it's a fight that never should have happened um at the very least, at the very least, I don't know, put him up against another guy who's 58 yeah, I mean, years old, only, maybe. I don't know. It, yeah. Even then, it's like when I saw him warming up, and again, it's a warm-up, and it's, right, you know, right. one of those pressers for hitting pads. Right. Are you telling me that's the end? That's the Evander Holyfield that we, we were used to? Right. I don't know what's going on. We live in a simulation. I'm almost convinced of it. I, I I don't know. I'm confused, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm with you, Kenny. I really yeah. thought it was like. Can just... we talk about Bitcoin next week, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> what's, the advice, what's the advice on Bitcoin? Buy next it. Week. It's cheap right now. Buy it and hold it. <laughs> I mean, is he at the bottom? Of, he's at the top of that Ponzi scheme, isn't he? He got in there for like $2. He just wants to drive it up. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's no. down to 44 and change, Ken Flo. We might have yeah, to see, buy it. It's a good right it's on the discount uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I lost my train of thought with the Bitcoin stuff. No, but Evander Holyfield, right? It, it is yeah. obviously a sad thing that he would need this payday, right? The Vitor Belfort side is that he was preparing for Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya, who is in his age bracket, you know? And if you're Vitor Belfort, right? Obviously, he made a lot of money in his career, yeah. right? But he's got three kids that he has to put through through college, although at least two of them are going to get full rides, by the way, D1. Yeah. One for volleyball, one for football. But like your Vitor, Kenny, you're in a little bit of it, right? If they're paying you $2 million to show and you're preparing for a date and you know he's working hard, you know, say what you want about the way he celebrated the win, Ray. But if you're Vitor, no. you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That That's my only point is the way he celebrated. If he would have said, listen, man, Give it up to Evander for just even stepping through those ropes, and yeah. you know how many fifty-year, you know, like how many fifty-eight-year-olds can even, you know, lace up a pair of boxes. There's something, but to to act like you did something horrendous. But see, here is Kenny Florian, right, who has said repeatedly, like he ain't taking Triller's money, 
right? But like Kenny could so easily, right, do any of these things, okay? Maybe his back wouldn't hold up, right? So maybe he would be presenting like a 30% version. I know he hates when we make him the center of attention, right? But like he could no, do- No, I think he hates when you give away his weakness. So in case he comes to it, <laughs> they know what to go after, but I'm not sure. I'm just saying, like, he could do, like, if you presented him with bare knuckle boxing and they'll pay you, like, three or five Bitcoin, like, he, part of him might be, in, right? But no, because from a competition standpoint, he's in Oregon, right? Right. Hey, pointing to the logo, Ray. I love it. But yeah. Ken is in Oregon right now doing a jujitsu seminar at Mac Danzig's. Now, I don't think they're paying him 50 grand to show today. Now, I could be wrong, right? But you can understand why somebody in Kenny's position who lives in Charlotte wouldn't want to go to Oregon to do a jiu-jitsu seminar when he could go do bare-knuckle boxing and make $350,000. All right, John, can, can you put a price on happiness for me right now? Put a price on happiness. <laughs> I'm not happy. You know, there's some, <laughs> of the richest, some of the richest people, they can't buy a good moment in their life. Everything's miserable. They got millions of dollars. Look at the smile on him. Look at I him. Know, I mean, he doesn't have been back dancing jujitsu. Yeah, he's having a great time. He's not having a bad time tonight. Um, he's not am, I wrong, am I wrong? Spreading the knowledge is something he loves. Put a value on yeah. that. Go ahead. I want to hear it. No, That's I true. just. Hey, knuckle boxing. What, is, what, what do you want? No, I, no. And, Let and the again, guy I'm be happy. Put, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I always think it's interesting when we have these conversations because one of the co-hosts of this podcast is a guy that on any given Saturday night could take advantage of one of these type of opportunities. And he's just, he's still fucking laughing. No, you know what? You know what? I, I think why he does is because he still has his faculties. <laughs> somebody had to tell Holyfield, you can't do this. We're not letting you do it. What? But like, I'm more likely to step in an amateur boxing ring right. and do that. than Kenny is to take one of these novelty fights at this point in time. Like that's the cold, hard truth for well, the Also, listeners. you know, I'll, I'll be candid with you. It's like, I'm a mixed martial artist. I'm not, I'm not a boxer. I'm not a strict Muay Thai guy. I'm not, you know, like that's not what I do. And I feel like, I don't know I, people, if they want to see me fight, they'd probably want to see me fight when I'm in my, you know, early thirties fighting mixed martial arts. Cause that's what I did best. Whereas you, know, you want to, you want to see a 45 year old Kenny Florian do something that he does. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what people are paying for. That's what yeah. people are paying for now. It's like, sure, could I make a lot of money? Absolutely. I mean, I can I can make millions on a on a only fan. What is it? Fans only? What the hell are those things? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's right. a lot of ways you could sell yourself, really? but I'm not Wait a minute, Kenny. You're not telling me you're gonna expose your willy whacker, are you? For money? Come <laughs> on. Two, I mean, there's I mean, I don't want to bring in so much money. I you know. I mean, the problem is, I think everybody's already knows. So, you know, he's an active guy. He don't need to expose it. Just put a fucking speedo on that thing, Ken, for make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh my god, really spiraled out of control. One thing that a lot of people wanted us to talk about today that I wasn't necessarily gonna get into. I don't know if you saw. It looked like a a transgender woman uh, defeated a woman in a, a mixed martial arts contest over the weekend. Did you see that? Yeah. Cody yeah, said hey, that's that's a, that's surprising. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I heard she's gonna kill me. Oh my god! No, no, really, come on, man. I heard she wrapped a cock around the guy's throat and choked him out. The poor girl. I mean, that's not right. I mean, you got to somebody's got to get in there and be the voice of reason. 
Yes, I nominate she did the, you. She did the oh lawn my god, Ray. She did the lawnmower <laughs> lawn choke on the poor girl. That's not right. Use the penis as a ripcord. I mean, what are we doing? You yeah, guys, wow. can you guys get a grip on yourself? There's a I serious know. show. Oh my god, very serious yeah. show. It's a serious topic. Yeah, that, you know, you know, you know, Kenny. Used to say something stupid, Kenny, and they give you the cold. <laughs> You're killing me. Say something, Kenny. Used to say something stupid. You give the guy the cold shoulder. Now you right. just cancel the fuck out of him. It's like, oh yeah, cold shoulder on on steroids. You just you're gone. Yeah, we don't yeah. even give right. you the cold shoulder. We just right. eliminate. You know, if you're as beloved as Ray Longo, you don't get canceled when you, uh, when you no, talk no, about uh, polarizing topics. But and maybe this isn't even polarizing. But I will just say, Ray, there is a lot of literature out there right now. You can go to ESPN.com right now, yeah. and there's yeah, a long running over there. I know you will. Um, <laughs> but there's a long form feature on you know transgender athletes, you know, and a nine year old girl who was born as a boy finally getting the chance to compete with girls in soccer or whatever, and you know, and I think philosophically uh, and otherwise there are a lot of people who have tremendous issues with with this right uh and with uh, somebody who was maybe born a man competing in a combat sports setting against somebody who was born a woman and uh you know i knew you might have some uh no look on a serious note just the athletic commissions are there to establish a fair playing field if it's if it's fair i'm for it 100 percent. i just i'm not i'm confused as to how you know, it's almost like we said with, like Kenny said with the Holyfield, like get him another 58 year old at yeah. least. I'm not that anybody wants to see it, but at least you could say it's fair, right? Based on that. Right. But this doesn't seem like it's fair. I mean, you could so do Florian Lozon too. Oh, in like so or in Boston. You could do any oh, goddamn discipline you want. You could do boxing. Oh, you my God. Will you you do, well, I, I mean, you could certainly do, uh, uh, a uh, 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 quintet ultra match between Lozon and Florian. Wow. Anyway, um, he's just not going to stop, Kenny. He's not. He's not. He's keeps keeps pushing me. No, you know, well, the thing is, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to chime in on that. You know, I, I agree with Ray. Listen, I, you know, um, it's one thing, you know, to go out there and, you know, support people's decisions to do whatever they want. That's fine. But I think when you're talking about something, even any kind of sport, you know, I think there's like the biological uh, element there and there's the other element of, you know, what someone wants to be or how they want to be identified as. And and I think that um, when you start getting into sports, when you start getting into specifically combat sports where someone who biologically is born with a significant more amount of strength um, yeah. and power uh, than say a biologically born female, um, you're asking for trouble. I think that's yeah. when you can get really, uh, you get someone who can get seriously injured. And I know maybe, maybe that fight isn't indicative of that because you know, um, the, who was it? Was it cat? What was the name of the other one? Kathy or Catherine or something like that who fought, she was actually handling herself quite well, but again, it's, that's just not a fair fight. There's a reason why we don't have, you know, mixed divisions with women fighting men. Yeah, it's just, right. just why not? Why not have an old transgender division? Yeah, and then that right. that would make sense. Well, right? not, that would make more sense. That. You get to compete. compete. Nobody's stopping yeah. you. Everybody's exactly. everybody's cool with that. Why not yeah, do that? Clean. 
Celine was her name. She she was doing well in the striking. But again, I, I agree. At least making an even playing field and and absolutely you can compete and compete against um you yeah, know others yeah. who are in the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, if one of my daughters came to me and was associating with masculinity and being a man, I would do anything in my power to make my kid happy in their own skin. But when you come to athletics and combat sports, again, I would encourage people, go check out the list. There's some crazy stuff out there um, in terms of what is going on and how these different states are trying to handle what is uh, a really, really tricky thing. Uh, All right. Anything else before we let you go, Longo? That's it on my notes, my man. Um, Look at that hair. I mean, every which way, even sideways, you know, <laughs> hopefully we cut that thing before. What's uh, going on? I look I like mean, alfalfa. <laughs> yeah. what was this Isn't it amazing? You grew that thing out for like a year. <laughs> What's that thing doing over there? What is this? Make his mind up. What is that thing? Yeah. Part of my wig. Up, not- down. What are, you, what are we doing? Part of my toupee. It's not going the right way. <laughs> hey, what'd you think of uh the NFL week one? You watch any football yesterday or is the long go boycott? Absolutely not. Kaepernick. His Colin yeah. Kaepernick boycott is still uh yeah, still yeah. fucking disgraceful. Yeah. Uh, now we got now we have twenty seven national anthems we gotta sing. So it's two hours before you even get to the game now. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey. Hey, we just commemorated hey. the 20-year anniversary of September 11th, 2000. Yeah. Days in American history. You're obviously a native New Yorker. Where were you? I was at the gym. Yeah. I was at the gym uh, training somebody, and uh, we heard the news, and I think we uh, took a couple of people, went to the supermarket, started stocking up on stuff one of those days, right. you yep. know, just yeah. just pontificating as to what could, what could happen. We, nobody really knew much about uh, – al-qaeda and that type of shit back then i don't think but it was really sobering and horrible horrible what happened to everybody and everybody to help clean up that got diagnosed with cancer i mean this is it's a crazy world man really really crazy it is it's it's sobering uh to see my children learn about this and just can't really put it together you know just how how much hate and and you know how many my brother was actually in the air flying from boston to tampa uh to watch the red Sox play the devil rays and uh so i remember i had worked the overnight at the newspaper my stepfather i'm sleeping on a mattress in medway massachusetts ken flow my stepfather comes in he's like hey man you may may want to turn on the uh the television and see what happened your brother's in the air we haven't heard from him so my brother ends up calling from a phone in virginia emergency landing and then they bust everybody who was on the plane either wow. to tampa or back to massachusetts wow. what's interesting was that former boston red sox trot nixon ended up being on the bus next to my brother on his way back because he didn't fly with the team because his wife was in labor you know wow. just but anyway i just that's where i was kenny where were you on september 11 2001 do you recall i was working i remember uh working and kind of starting my day on my laptop, just kind of going over the news as I'm working, and I see this picture of of a plane heading towards a building, and I'm like, "What? What's this?" And that was when the first plane hit. Um, and I'm just kind of following the news, and then of course, you know, we hear the news about the second plane, and that was uh, that was a really powerful moment for me. Um, you know, I, I I made a huge life change after that. That was kind of I was either going to go into the military or I was going to do something martial arts related after that and um wow. yeah it was um 
wild times, man. I'll never forget it. Yeah, there, oh, there's a lot of guys in the gym went into the service uh, that are in the gym now that I'm finding out later. But yeah, that that's a that was a crazy. You really weren't even sure if it was real. It was it was pretty surreal, I think. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it never nothing like that ever came close to happening. And uh, yeah. yeah, I remember. It is one of those days you remember exactly who you were with and what you did. And I can't remember last week, you know, right, so right. it gets etched in your mind. Yeah. But all know. right, my man. Hey, uh, we appreciate the extended time. We got to let you fly, make some picks yeah. for this UFC fight night coming up this weekend. Anything else before we let you go? That's it, man. Adios. People. See you, right. Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> Hands only, buddy. Oh, they're waiting. I got three Texas. From women that are just, they said, please. I think it's Kenny Florian OnlyFans might be on this. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I'm afraid of is you're going to be the first guy signing up. It's the crap out of me. I got to go. Take it <laughs> easy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is truth, right? that's the truth. Right? If, I keep, if I keep pushing a Kenny Florian fight, I'm going to end up wanting to fight me. You know, I get it. I get it. So Kenfo used to say to me, dude, like, why are we paying fees for our online checking account? Like, respectfully, does your online checking account cost you money? Your online checking account should not cost you money. That's why Chime, an award-winning app and debit card, has no overdraft fees, nor foreign transaction fees, no monthly service fees, nor transfer fees. And you're starting to see Chime all over. They have more than 60,000 free in-network ATMs at locations like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, CBS, and more. That's more than the top three national banks combined, by the way. What if my friends aren't on Chime yet, though, you say? Not a problem. You can send money to anyone even if they are not on Chime. No fees for you. No cash-out fees for them. Chime is changing the way I bank online. And humbly, I think it's time for you to say goodbye to hidden fees as well. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up only takes two minutes and does not affect your credit score whatsoever. Get started today at chime.com slash Florian. That's chime.com slash Florian. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out of network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at Money Pass ATM at a 7-Eleven location and at any All Point or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees such as third party and cash deposit fees may apply. All right, UFC fight night. Smith versus Span live from the UFC Apex this weekend after a bye week for the combat sports leader. Back at it Saturday, September 18th on ESPN+. Plus. Let's make some picks in the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, we've got just two picks today. UFC Fight Night Smith versus Span. And joining us is our former intern. Look at how good this guy looks in that Anakin Florian podcast t-shirt, by the way. Casey Williams on social media. You can find him at Casey Keenan MMA. Just one E in Keenan, not two. Casey, good to see you. Thanks for classing up the joint after Ray Longo. Thank you. Is my hair a little better than Ray Longo's or what? Your hair, your shirt. I mean, Much it looks better. like you guys might. Both have gone with the maroon AF monogram T-shirt today, but yours looks clean. Like his collar was like wilting away. No, what I mean, did he do with that? Drag it behind him in a car? What's <laughs> going on? I was telling you off the air that I lint rolled this shirt. I'm I telling you, I cleaned. I went all above and beyond podcast debut. Beautiful. Well, it's great to have you with us, and we appreciate all your hard work over the last several months. And I know you know this stuff well. Um, let's get into the co-main event, at least as it holds right now. 
Iwan Kute Laba is the minus 135 betting favorite against Devin Brown Bear Clark, who is plus 115. We'll take the round and the method of victory as well. So Kute Laba is sort of an interesting case, right? Just one win in his last five fights. Doesn't really tell the whole story. Last fight, though, a split draw against Dustin Jacoby. And on the other side, Devin Clark, he was submitted by Anthony Smith. Last November, in a fight that actually got elevated to main event status, if I'm not mistaken, um, but Brown Bear had won two straight prior to that loss. Casey Williams, Kute Laba, Clark in the co-main event. Who wins? This is an interesting fight. Um, I think Devin Clark, first and foremost, I think he's an athlete. Uh, he, he's mentioned off, you know, off air in interviews that he has aspirations of being a bobsledder. You know, after the UFC, he has inspirations to deadlift a thousand pounds. Um, I, and he was discovered on a Dana White's uh, looking for a fight. So I do think this is going to be a must win for either fighter. I think both of which are a little bit underperforming uh, compared to expectations. Right. Um, Ion Kutalaba is a fighter. He doesn't have any aspirations outside of the cage. He wants to fight. This guy cannot do anything else other than fight, in my opinion. He was a born fighter. He's not going to bobsled. He's not going to deadlift a thousand pounds. Right. He is going to fight. That's all he wants to do. Um, I think in this fight, the the grappling is going to negate each other. I think uh, you have Ian Kutalaba, who's got a Sambo background. You have Devin Clark, who's a junior college All-American wrestler. So I think it's going to be on the feet. When it's going to be on the feet, I think Ian Kutalaba's aggression is going to be the difference maker. I think if he can maintain the same energy that he brings to the weigh-ins, you know, when he's grabbing Justin Jacoby from the back, you know, he's getting in his opponent's face right before the fight. If he can bring that same energy to Devin Clark and make it a nasty fight, it's going to be Ian Kutalaba's fight to win. Um, so I'm going to go with Ian Kutalaba via knockout in round one. And, and a, another point is Devin Clark in three out of his five career losses, he's been finished in the first round. How about that? Including the last one against Anthony Smith. All right, Kempflo, what do you think? Kute Lava and Clark in the co-main. Yeah, I think Casey broke it down beautifully. I think, um, you know, I think that's where Devin's going to be most susceptible. I think that's where uh, Yuan Kutalaba is most dangerous, is in round one, especially um, he goes out like a bat out of hell in that first round. And um, I think if Devin isn't looking to clinch, um, he might be in trouble there. I, I think I like I like Devin's leg kicks, um, but um, boxing-wise, he's going to have to be careful with Kutalaba. I think Kutalaba wins this fight, though. I think his aggression, his ability to come forward is, is going to be the difference, like Casey said. And uh, I like a round one uh, knockout as well. All right, main event in the light heavyweight division, number six in the world, Anthony Smith, minus 165, 11th-ranked Ryan Spann, plus 145 for his first UFC main event. We'll need the round of the method of victory, boys. So Anthony Smith... Two straight wins for him, last of which came against Jimmy Crute, April 24. On the other side, Ryan Spann, I didn't realize that he was this shiny in the UFC. Five and one in the octagon. He's won nine of ten overall. Only man to beat him in the UFC, Johnny Walker, by knockout last September. Spann, though, responded in kind with a big finish of Mitch Serkunov earlier this year. Casey Williams, competitive main event. I think it's properly priced. Smith versus Spann under the lights on Saturday night. Who wins it and how do they get it done? I think this is an interesting fight. I think it's all going to come down to which Anthony Smith shows up. Is this the Anthony Smith of old, who was the world beater, who was in there with John Jones, who was in there with Alexander Gustafsson, who was in there with Glover Teixeira? Obviously, he lost to John Jones and Glover Teixeira, but he had an amazing performance against Alexander Gustafsson. Um, 
Ryan Spann, I think, brings a lot to the table, and I think he can win the fight. Uh, Ryan Spann is, is trained out of Dallas with Saif Saoud, your, your buddy, uh, out of Fortis MMA. So I, I have to be careful about what I say about Ryan Spann because huh. I never want to run into that guy uh, in Dallas and have to face uh, any of his wrath. Um, but Ryan Spann, his advantage is going to be athleticism. He's a huge guy. He's a huge, huge light heavyweight. He's six foot five. He's got a reach advantage. He's extremely athletic and extremely violent and extremely aggressive. Um, but with that, he's fighting Anthony Smith, who's a much more technical fighter. Anthony Smith, in my opinion, has a technical striking advantage and a significant technical grappling advantage. Uh, Anthony Smith is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Ryan Spann is a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, where Ryan, Ryan Spann has got uh, a lot of his opponents early on is going to be a modified guillotine that uh, his opponents will shoot for a single or a double, a kind of a sloppy uh, single or double takedown. And Ryan Spann will get them in a modified guillotine and end the fight early. He is not going to catch Anthony Smith, uh, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in a modified guillotine off a sloppy takedown. So... Um, I hope that Anthony Smith is back. I, I think Anthony Smith, he's got 51 fights. Um, with that being said, there's, there's some damage that goes along with that. And it's, is he going to be back to his, his former self? Uh, John, you mentioned on the air, he had that home invasion, uh, before I think that that affected him mentally. Um, he's recently dropped down to fight lower level competition and has looked great in fighting lower level competition. Um, for Ryan Spann, though, this is, again, too, too big of a jump as far as a technical fighter. I think Ryan Smith, uh, Spann is going uh, to be outclassed by yeah. Anthony Smith and with, as far as the technique goes. So with that being said, uh, I think Anthony Smith is going to uh, just basically let Ryan Spann wear himself out. He's going to weather the storm. I think Anthony Smith wins this one via submission in round three. All right, Anthony Smith, round three, submission for Casey Williams. Ken Flo, Spann's huge, man. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he is every bit 6'5 and a credentialed UFC light heavyweight, but this is a test that he's obviously going to need to pass if uh, if he's going to go on to contend. What are your thoughts on Ryan Spann here in the biggest fight of his career against Anthony Lionheart Smith? Span is a very dangerous guy. I think that there's some aspects of his striking game uh, that I think actually are, are better than Anthony Smith, in my opinion. I think Anthony Smith overall as a mixed martial arts fighter is a more technical fighter, but I do think Span has certain advantages over um, Smith in this fight on the feet. Um, I just don't think it should last very long there, in my opinion. If I'm Anthony Smith, I'm looking to try to take that fight to the ground as quickly as possible. That's going to be the easiest path to victory. Um, I think that they'll have some interesting exchanges. Um, I was happy to see Anthony Smith integrate a much better jab in his last fight. That looked much sharper to me. Um, I think that's kind of what he needs to utilize uh, here against uh, Span. Um, but he's got to use it to, to ultimately get to that clinch position, look for a takedown where he can either get a submission or a TKO. I see it um, ending in round two, uh, Anthony Smith uh, by TKO. All right, a couple of guys pretty convicted on the favorite, Anthony Smith, minus 165. All right, if you want more from Casey Williams, you can find him on social media at Casey Keenan MMA. I mean, the guy shows up on time, looks the part, sounds the part. Appreciate your contribution, my brother. We'll definitely have you on before uh, before the year is out. Thank you very much. It's been an honor to be on the air. Um, I've listened to your podcast since episode one, and I remember it vividly. Yes. Uh, and Ken Flo, I've been along. I actually found the episode off of Ken Flo's Twitter. I can't remember how long did it start, like 2015? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I remember 2015, like, I was That's awesome. Steve, uh, Kenny Florian on Twitter. He said, new podcast coming up. I was working a job I hated, had a long commute, and I was like, I'm going to listen to this podcast, and I've been listening to every episode ever since. Hell yeah. Thank you, Casey. That's awesome, man. Great it's, job. It's an man. honor to, to be on air with you guys, and uh, it's really come full circle. I never thought I'd be on the air after listening to episode <laughs> one, so it's truly an honor. So thank there you, you well, very much. When we have you back, you can start to softly just be a dick to Ken Flo, you know. <laughs> um, I hope to be as close with him as Ian Parker is one day. That's my that's my goal to be EFS, just like Ian Parker and Ken Flo are. Maybe he can get me a job at the PFL. I don't know. Right, yeah. Well, you're off to a good start. Off to a good start. Hey, Casey, thank you, brother. We'll talk. Thanks to you soon. very much. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, man. Really appreciate the support there uh, from Casey Williams over the last several months. All right. I just want to say before we go, you know, to the MMA community, fans, fighters, everyone, um, thank you all for the love and support over the last week. You know, it's really been hard. And even though it's been hard to open my phone at times to the text messages and all the amazing posts on Instagram, you know, it has helped me navigate a situation that has been as hard personally for me to navigate as anything in my life to this point in time. And I also want to say to my UFC colleague, Heidi Dean, who listens to every minute of every podcast we do, you know, she has been at the forefront of our aid effort, essentially, in helping Susie. I mean, there have been a lot of people, Ariane Celeste and Megan O'Leary, on and on it goes, right? But Heidi has been there every step of the way. And Chelsea, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I just want to acknowledge Heidi, knowing that she's going to listen to this podcast because, um, it's been all hands on deck for the Susie squad over the last several weeks. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge those people. And uh, we will follow up with details, obviously, on the memorial service and all of that stuff um, that I think is going to happen in Las Vegas so that as many of the uh, the ConCom production team um, as humanly possible uh, can attend. Uh, thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Casey Williams. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for the merchandise. You can also go to millions.co for the One More Sleep merch as well. Promo code. Anik for 10% off there. Uh, and thank you all for watching and for listening. Uh, for Ken Flum, John Anik, enjoy the rest of your week. We're right back with you next Monday. We'll get you primed for a big pay-per-view. UFC 266, Volkanovski versus Ortega, which beckons on September 25th. Ken Flo, tell Mac Danzig I say what's up. Uh, oh, yeah. Just no fucking clock jokes today, okay? No <laughs> clock jokes. Um, you, we'll talk to you guys next week. Love you, Suze. You'll love you.